0: psychology nerds and welcome to psychology and stuff the podcast out of phoenix studios at the university of wisconsin green bay i'm ryan martin one of the hosts of psychology and stuff and this is our final episode of the season i am here as always with my friend and co-host chair of the uw green bay psychology program dr georgina wilson Dunges. how's it going g
1: it is going great it is may and may is one of the best months of the whole year because it's like graduation month in college it also includes mother's day which is like um one of my favorite holidays because it includes brunch like who doesn't love a holiday that is like centered around brunch so i am super pumped to brunch it in the, uh nice. in the month of may
0: what what uh what are you going out for brunch will this be a, like going out to get food sort of holiday for you
1: it's sort of a, a more staying in and having brunch. Got it. Um, but it's a brunch that I don't have to um, make. It's being made for me, so that that's the best kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, it, and it will when this episode drops, it will have already happened. But um, it's it's just part of a really great month of celebrating, uh, and I love that. Nice. Yeah,
0: Are I that asked you, Ryan. Well, first, let me say I asked because I actually spent a lot of time yesterday trying to find a place that I could pick up food from for Mother's Day. So, uh, mm. I found a couple options, but trying to uh, trying to find a way to celebrate. Last year, we we made our own, um, but it was like a meal kit kind of thing provided by the local uh, gather, the place in town that is so so awesome um and uh, but they're not doing one this year because they're doing more in-person stuff now and so um I was looking for options and and uh not sure what we're gonna do but um I'm doing well uh, you know it's a busy time of year for everybody and um sure. I do I do love Mother's Day and I get to see my mom in a couple weeks not on Mother's Day but the next week so she's coming to town which would be fun um yeah I don't know I right. can't say I'm like living the dream necessarily, and that we're still in a pandemic. Um, yeah, should we bring in Kelsey? I think we should bring They're in Kelsey. Getting better. Yes, that's true.
1: I know. I'm really excited um, because you know, like this is our last episode, which is sad, but also exciting um, because we know Kelsey is joining us again in the fall. So, um, so this isn't farewell, which is which also makes it kind of like a celebration. Yes, indeed. So I'm so excited.
0: Yeah, Kelsey's gonna stick around for another semester, which is awesome. I'm so happy to hear that we tricked her into thinking this is a good experience. Um, <laughs> so she'll stick around <laughs> for one more semester. No, it's been incredible. You've done amazing work and we're so very, very thankful and uh, looking forward to another term of, of doing it in the fall.
1: Thank you so, so much. This has been really, really awesome. And I'm, I'm very excited to continue to be a part of
0: this team because I know you say you tricked me, but doing this <laughs> makes me really happy. <laughs> and I really <laughs> love you people. So I'm excited to continue
1: doing it. And yeah. Very that good. That is well, cool. Yeah, yeah. we and are we too. We definitely have uh, elevated our social media game Uh, Immensely. And so that's one of the things I'm most grateful uh, about is that really it has really elevated the ways in which we are on social media and also your interactions during the episodes are really great. So thank you.
0: Yes, our planning meetings this semester have been very fun. So for for people outside of the the show, just know it, it's been a blast. I do wanna provide a quick update on some things this summer. So even though this is the last episode of the season, um, I am putting together a special series on anger that's gonna come out over the summer. It's called Why We Get Mad. And it is a six part series covering anger related stuff. So I did a version of this last summer Um, But that was a little different because I basically just took another show that I had done in the past and brought it over to Psych and Stuff. This is all new content that you can't find anywhere else. Um, uh, I'm going to interview other anger researchers, historians, artists, uh, all sorts of people talking about uh, anger and anger-related stuff. I do want to give people a warning, though, and I hesitate to to mention this because I really hope people will still listen to it. But it's going to feel a little bit like a different show. So it's not. I mean, it's it's a special series of Psych and stuff, but there's going to be segments. Um, I'm taking questions from people on social media. I've already gathered some via TikTok. Um, I might actually get some uh, do some TikTok related segments and things like that. So I hope you'll give it a give it a chance and give it a listen. I think you'll think it's really interesting. But just know that um in some ways it's going to feel different than than psych and stuff but i think it's going to be great i think it's going to be a lot of fun i've already done one of the interviews it was a dream this is a a researcher who was super influential to me when i was starting out and um and he is now retired but just stays on top of the 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 research really well and just it was great it was really fun to talk to him super interesting guy Um, so yeah
1: um it's right. going to be so exciting and it's coming off of you know like your your book launch early uh, this year and um of the same title why we get mad and so i'm excited to hear what you have to share with us this summer so definitely and be tuning in
0: and <laughs> awesome spoiler alert that it the hope is that it might lead to a second book. So we're, we're working on uh, some possibilities for another one. And um, I'm hoping some of the some of the people we talked to, it might be uh, fodder for further discussion. So um, and further things to write about. So yeah, that could be fun.
1: Awesome.
0: Let's get to our episode and talk. Georgina, do you want to talk about what we're doing today?
1: Sure, and so we were thinking that it would be a great idea to end this um, challenging year on a positive note, and that positive note that we chose is hope, and we really wanted to do a a little bit of a deep dive into the science of hope and how we find hope in some of the recent literature um, uh, that different... Uh, researchers and scientists are, are using hope um, and measuring outcomes and so that's what we decided to do today. So Ryan and I both chose two articles uh, with no particular like, uh, reason why we chose, the, we chose some articles that really spoke to us mm-hmm. and we're just going to um, have a little bit of a conversation about the science of hope.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so
1: should we get started?
0: Yeah, let's, so we're going to go back and forth basically. You'll, I, I'd love it if you started and then we'll go back and forth and you do one, I'll do one, you do one, I'll do one. Does that sound good?
1: Sure, that awesome. sounds perfect to me. So um, the the first article that I read uh, was titled um, Camp Hope uh, as an intervention for children exposed to domestic violence, a program evaluation of hope and Strength of Character um, by the researchers, Hellman and Gwyn, And <clears throat> I think before I talk about what they found about this uh, hope intervention, uh, they had a really strong lit review uh, about hope and hope theory. And so I really learned a lot from reading that um, and they based their camp a camp for, for children with adverse childhood experiences on the hope theory by Snyder in 2000. And like 2000 is just like yesterday, right? <laughs> like um, Hope, uh, the science of hope is a very recent sort of a research topic. And so that's something to keep in mind that this is not something that we've been studying empirically for a very long time, but Snyder's hope theory um, states that, like, hope is a very goal oriented psychological strength or character strength. Um, and it has been associated with well being across the lifespan. So, we've studied it in children and in older adults. And uh, so, it, it's kind of a, a lifespan kind of concept and it's based on sort of motivational theory or cognitive based motivational theories um, about how people learn to, I don't know, like create strategies to attain their goals. They have a goal in mind and hope is about uh, finding ways to achieve those goals. And so, many of the articles I read talked about two ways of thinking, um, pathways thinking and agency thinking. And so I don't know, Ryan, if the articles you read are gonna, uh, talk about those, but, um, people who are hopeful, um, tend to create many pathways to achieve their goals. Um, and so, uh, Especially if they run into an obstacle that blocks their goals, they're very uh, able to change pathways or figure out ways uh, to get around obstacles to attain their goals. Um, and agency thinking um, is the, the ways in which um, people motivate themselves uh, to pursue those goals and keep themselves motivated, even if they run into those obstacles or those challenges, being able to self-motivate and believe that they uh, can achieve those goals um, is part of hope. And so people who are hopeful tend to be more pathway thinking and more agency thinking. And um, so do you have any thoughts about that hope theory, Ryan?
0: I, I do and so I should I'm really glad you went first because this is a really nicely sets the stage for what I wanted to talk about in in a couple of ways one is what you said about hope being a relatively new research area is really important to note because I was I was actually moderately disappointed with the research out there on hope that I didn't actually feel not not that it, that what's done has been is not good, but that there hasn't been much done, and so I think it's putting it into the context of this is a very recent um, area of study is really important. Um, I, I have I have long been very very interested in the concept of hope, largely because of you know my background as a as a counseling psychologist and working with people who are depressed, and that we know that hopefulness is oftentimes the difference between someone who is depressed and is not suicidal versus someone who is. And that there's a, there's a very, very clear difference between someone who says, I'm really down, but I think I'm going to get better. And someone who says, I'm really down and I'm worried it's always going to be this way. And that, that, that piece, that hopefulness is such an important Important um, psychological phenomena or experience that I've been really fascinated in that way, and and so to hear you break it into two pieces, right? That that there's sort of two aspects of this, like everything in psychology, right? It ends up being more complicated once you look at it, in, in a good way, um, is is really important, um, I think. So, yep. that's,
1: and I agree. I, one of the quotes that I wrote down from this article is that hope is not a wish. Mm -hmm. Hope is about taking action to achieve goals. Um, So like a wish is like having a goal that's a desire, but we don't have any like strategies Mm -hmm. to accomplish that. But a hopeful person is a person who has that desire and then Mm -hmm. um, has the agency and the creativity to motivate themselves to follow pathways, um, even in the midst of challenges. And so I really like thinking about it that way. Uh, That made a lot of sense to me. Um, One of the other things that I learned from this article was the difference between hope and resilience, um, that there may be a distinction there. And um, the way that the authors talked about that is that resilience is like Bouncing back mm-hmm. to something. Uh, but they said that the kids that they were working with at this camp who had been um, uh, who had experienced childhood trauma may not have something good to bounce back to. And
0: right. that
1: being resilient may not provide for them what they need to be successful moving forward. Um, and so they they said that. Being trauma-informed as a a counseling psychologist or or Mm -hmm. running this camp is important, but also to be hope-centered rather than resilience to give them creative forward-moving pathways and strategies to achieve forward-moving paths rather than Thinking about being resilient, like bouncing back to something, right. hope seemed to be more forward thinking. And I loved that. That's I thought really, that was cool.
0: That's really fascinating. And all of this, so that that will, that also nicely sort of sets the stage for the second thing I want to talk about later, the second article I want to talk about. But I think, um, you know, I... Well, should I should I start? Are you okay? Should I like, but we can kind of revisit this one as we talk about it. Cause I, so I'm going to preface because I want to preface things by saying um, I'm, I called a little bit of an audible yesterday when it came to finding research. And part of it was that I was having a hard time finding an article I wanted to talk about. But the other thing is that um, I, I, I hope I'm not breaking this to you on air. Maybe you, I might be though, but did you, Um, I don't know if you heard that Dr. Ed Diener died last week. Um, Mm. And that is, so for those of you who don't know, Dr. Diener is, uh, quote unquote, Dr. Happiness. He is an extraordinary, one of the most prolific authors in psychology history on any topic. However, he was a happiness researcher and um, and really, I think in many ways, was a, a probably not the modern founder of positive psychology, but in many ways he is, right? Certainly the, probably the biggest contributor to, to the field of positive psych. And so I felt compelled. I I just learned that yesterday. I think it was last week, but I, I heard about it yesterday. Um, and so I decided that I wanted to focus what I was talking about on him, uh, and his, and some of his more recent work. Um, and the other reason I'm doing this is because it's, it's mental health awareness month as well, which we talked about in our short last week. I, um, I've i been really thinking a lot about what it means to be mentally healthy um, is a contrast to mentally ill and what that looks like. And so looking through some of his work today and yesterday was re- has been really insightful for me. And so I wanted to share a, a couple of studies of his, um, starting with one that I think I don't know if our listeners know this. You probably know this, Georgina. I'm a big assessment nerd at heart that my, my dissertation was on instrument development and I, I really am fascinated by instrument development. Um, but part of why I am is because this is, I like being able to articulate what concepts are. And I think instrument development is a really good place to do that. And so he worked with some other authors Um, The other authors are Sue. It's The study is Sue, Tay, and Diener, 2014. It's the development and validation of the comprehensive inventory of thriving and the brief inventory of thriving. And so I became, thriving became, I'm I'm thinking of that as a, in some ways, a sort of loose synonym for hope. I understand it's different, but uh, but I think they're related. And one of the things they say in this article is that, um, they talk about the different dimensions of psychological well being. And I want to run through these, these different dimensions. There are seven of them. Um, one, and these are things measured by their, their scale um, subjective well being, so the degree to which you think you are happy, uh, supportive and enriching relationships, interest and engagement in daily activities, meaning and purpose in life, a sense of mastery and accomplishment feelings of control and autonomy and optimism, um, which again is, I think that last one is a loose translation or a loose synonym of hope. But what they did is they, so they created this scale and they normed it on a gajillion people. And then they've actually done a study since this one, um, just I think last year, or maybe the year before uh, where they normed it uh, across countries. And um, what they found is that it's correlated with all sorts of positive outcomes, including health outcomes like, Um, It's it's negatively negatively related to how many days you were sick in the past year, the number of illnesses diagnosed by a medical practitioner, um, how much exercise you get positively correlated, positively correlated with physical functioning, um, all sorts of positive health outcomes, fewer medical problems, higher levels, uh, uh, more frequent positive health behaviors, things like that. But there's a quote in this article that I I really appreciated. To thrive in life is not only marked by feelings of happiness or a sense of accomplishment or having supportive and rewarding relationships, but is a collection of all of these aspects. And so I thought that was a really important quote uh, as we think about hope and we think about coming out of this pandemic and we think about kind of resilience, all of these different concepts that that really that thriving is uh, about a combination of factors and that means in some ways that if one of those areas isn't going well for you um, hopefully you've got other areas that are and and also that gives you something to work on that for me being able to look down this list and and give myself a score uh, on these different domains was helpful.
1: I I totally agree with that and I in the the hope articles that i read i also saw a lot of the word thrive like mm-hmm. i think that they are um similar concepts and um similar motivational like thoughts about how we can um live with higher well-being or whatever you want you want mm-hmm. to to call that but i was also really encouraged and am encouraged by um Diener's research on happiness throughout Mm -hmm. his whole entire career is that I believe that a lot of people think that happiness and hope are like an innate characteristic that is in us that we like are born with or is like Mm -hmm. some sort of astrological gift. But what I've learned is that hope and I think happiness in its many forms can be learned Mm -hmm. and can be changed, and that people can generate more hope within themselves by meeting and attaining goals and learning how to thrive. And that in itself gives me hope. (laughs) Very,
0: very well said. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I think one of the you know, it's sometimes difficult to, this is an area where I think psychologists have not necessarily, or haven't always articulated the, these, these terms very well, because happiness is sometimes thought of as an emotion, but it, it's also thought of in this way, right, which I would argue is different than an emotion, right, you know, that, um, that, that there's a difference between being happy in a moment versus being overall satisfied with your life, and, you um, and I think that uh, one, sometimes when we think about that overall life satisfaction piece, is we don't think enough about uh, the many things we can do to intervene in our own life, and and uh, that we can do to be a more optimistic person, to develop more enriching relationships. And this sort of breakdown, to your point, really allowed me to um, to think more about how any human being. Can can build these things, and and also again to tie it back to the the last year and to tie it back to the pandemic, to think about how what has been how have I cultivated supportive and enriching relationships in the last year? Have I do I need to how do I do that moving forward um, as we come out of this? How do I how do I continue to build those relationships? Um, what what about feelings of control and autonomy? Right, I, I mean if ever I felt hopeless or helpless, I should say, not hopeless, in the last year, it's, it's been the, you know, sort of dealing with the feeling out of control as we as the country's been sort of been marred by this or the world has been marred by this. Um, and so thinking about it in these terms allows me to actually regain some control um, and to think about, okay, where can I intervene? Where can't I? How do I accept what I can't control and so on?
1: I also think that those concepts relate to the pathways. um, uh, Part of hope, the hope definition or the hope theory is that we can learn to create different pathways and try and become a little bit more flexible. If this pathway is being challenged or blocked by an obstacle, how can we like create or, or be more flexible enough to switch to a different pathway or find ways to round obstacles to continue to move forward. And so mm-hmm. I really um, began to think of hope as a journey mm-hmm. rather than a destination. And that being hopeful means being able to continually move yourself forward, despite, the sucky things that happen in life right. because they do <laughs> like, you know, pandemics happen and the you know, like challenges happen. And so the second article that I will just mention um, was actually uh, the science of hope in uh, cancer patients in oncology. And they found the same sort of things as that um, patients with cancer uh, exhibited Many of the things on that list that you just uh, mentioned from uh, Diener's research on mm-hmm. happiness, those same sort of things were found in this hope research and it actually um, helped improve like um, recovery survival as well as mm-hmm. quality of life in cancer patients. And so I think if we can learn how to move ourselves forward, in many different pathways around obstacles, that's where hope can be found and can be developed. And I, I think that that's what I hear you saying, Ryan, is that, mm-hmm. you know, like, how can I intervene in my own life? Right. <laughs> you know, like right. to find these pathways forward.
0: Well, and yeah, my own and those around me, right? I mean, because I, as I looked at this, you know, friends, children, spouses, family, and so on, how can I, you know, how can we find ways to cultivate those things and the people we care about and the people we want to help move forward? Um, you know, it's a different way of thinking even about therapy, I think in some ways as being less sort of um, pathology focused and more forward moving, you know, how do we, do we, do we work differently with clients if we embrace a model that's less about decreasing these negative symptoms and more about finding pathways forward and articulating that? My second article is uh, a little bit, um, it, it actually felt less relevant before. Now it feels super relevant to what we're talking about because, um, it, but it was really interesting to me and that's why I picked it, which is um, The title of the article is, Do Happy People Care About Society's Problems? Uh, And it is by Kushlev, Drummond, Heitzelman, and Diener just uh, two years ago, 2019. And they were exploring, and I I preface this by saying the reason why it was really interesting to me is because um, I have long argued that emotions like anger, sadness, fear, that these are motivating emotions, they encourage us to make changes, right? And so when we get angry, um, we we therefore want to change the things we're angry about. So I, I have often uh, assumed and, um, and, and kind of even argued that one of the reasons that, that being kind of happy with the way things are probably discourages any kind of activism or change. Um, and so this article was really, in many ways, it challenges my uh, assumptions in my opinions. Um, But so basically, they're exploring what they call the, the, quote unquote, the Pollyanna hypothesis, uh, which is that happy people might be too happy to care about important current events. Um, So past research on this has been kind of messy, though, because happiness is, as we've talked about, it's a much broader concept. Um, People realize it kind of depends which elements of happiness you're talking about. So Um, You know, sometimes we, like I said, we talk about negative emotions like anger, and I put that in quotes, negative emotions like anger and sad, uh, fear, and they tend to prompt political action, but subjective well-being or happiness, um, you know, we think of it that it doesn't, but what, so what they did, and this is a three-part study, but I'm actually only going to talk about the first and the third, so the, the first thing they did is they actually, and this is interesting, um, they collected data a couple months after those, um, Georgia, you remember in 2017, there were those, uh, quote unquote, unite the right rallies in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. Um, I would call them white supremacist rallies in Charlottesville and um, participants, what they did is they had participants essentially read the description of those events and then um, they were asked to imagine that they were explaining that event to a friend, and then they were mm-hmm. focused on the thoughts and feelings they had as they were as they experienced it. And this was just actually intended to remind them of the event itself, um, and just to like kind of bring it all back from it. It was about three months after the event, and then they were. Um, They were given a bunch of uh, possible actions, so they could write a blog post about it, they could give money, they could join a protest themselves, and they were asked, have you already done this, do you plan on doing this, Um, or do you have no intention of doing this? And then finally, uh, they were asked about their current willingness, so they ended by saying, if you would like to join a community of peers who really care about this issue, you can join. And then what they found is that um, the results are, it's gonna be a little bit of a mixed bag, but overall uh, in support of the idea that happiness is valuable here. um, Positive uh, emotions did not predict what they uh, had already done or what they were intending to do. So positive emotions made no difference. Negative emotions did not predict what they had already done but did predict future intentions to act. So that negative emotion, so this sort of verifies what I've said in the past, which is good, but this is the part that's really interesting is that positive affect did predict current intention to act. So people who were feeling good were likely to join that peer group, but the negative affect didn't. So people who were feeling down didn't wanna join that peer group. So basically these, this feeling of happiness actually did encourage people in this study to want to act in the current moment um, in a a positive way. So, but then finally, so then there's there's study two, um, which I'm not gonna get into, um, but in the final study, they, They actually, and part of the reason I'm bringing this up is for you, Georgina, because they looked at more than 2,000 participants across the country. One of the things that that Diener had done is he worked for Gallup for a while near the end of his career. So he got to do these massive studies, which is incredible. Um, But um, they looked at more than 2,000 participants um, and they looked at their interest in uh, in addressing environmental uh, concerns. And um, what they found is that unhappy people were more likely to be concerned about the environment, but happy people were more likely to engage in environmentally friendly behaviors. So unhappy people said, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about it, but happy people actually did something about it. Um, so there's this sense uh, kind of going back, you know, tying this back, assuming that hope is part of Why people are happy and that subjective well being piece, and I think it is, it says something about your pathways forward argument that part of what's happening is people are identifying these pathways forward and and working their way through it.
1: I think it also addresses the agency, um, like agency thinking as well, is that perhaps maybe the happier people also um, believe that they can motivate themselves to do that. Whereas um, unhappy people in this scenario perhaps don't find that motivation to follow a pathway <laughs> like uh, forward because the agency part of hope I think is, is important because hope like happiness is uh, like a motivational theory mm-hmm. or an, a motivational strategy, which implies action, right? right. Um, and so I think that, that it makes sense to me that people are, who are happier or people who uh, have a hopeful mindset would be able to m- self-motivate toward that pathway forward. Right. So I don't.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting. Cause I, I think, you know, I have long said, I mean, one of the core aspects of my personality is that when I am feeling distressed in some way, I try and build things. And that is, um, and sometimes it's literal things like that I build around my house. And sometimes it is uh, say, well, no, let's, let's start a conference. Let's do a thing that I have long embraced the idea that I'm just gonna try and build the things that I wish existed in the world. And um, and that that is my my mechanism of coping with negative emotions, negative experiences, and it you're right. It is it's both that sort of agency slash path forward. If I didn't, if I weren't hopeful, I wouldn't waste the time, right? If I I wouldn't right. if I didn't feel like this was gonna make a difference, I just would say, oh well, let's go to the beach, right, or something like that. Um, so, you know, there's, there's some that, that to being hopeful means that you're willing to, to do these things.
1: I, I agree. And I, I wanted to give one more shout out before we wrap up. Um, I also wanted to give the citation of my second article. Um, it's by Korn Feldman and Wexler. It's called The Science of Hope in the Lancet Oncologies. just so that it's in the episode. Um, but one of the things I took away from both of the articles that I read is that um, these people, the, um, the cancer patients and um, the children who attended this camp, were not building their own hope. That both uh, these populations that they were studying were part of, of uh, a therapy intervention on their behalf to help them build hope. And so, although I think maybe you and I, Ryan have um, some ability to self-build hope, especially during this pandemic and other things that I would also encourage people to explore uh, ways in which others professionals can help us build hope uh, via therapy and other kinds of interventions.
0: That is a really good point. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And it and I think the only piece I would add is that you know we sh- we can also think about how we can help build hope in others around us that we care about, and so uh, finding ways to, to do that. And we have all sorts of good evidence that says helping other people is associated with with positive subjective well being. So, excellent. Absolutely well that we are coming up on the end of our time here do you let's um i guess kelsey why don't you join us again we can say thank you once more and talk a little bit about where people can find your work
1: Hi. I'm hey, back.
0: you're back <laughs> so psych and stuff the throw out the the twitter handles and all that for psych and stuff yeah, absolutely. So you can find everything at, it's literally just going to be psych and stuff. And it's going to be at Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, and we are, we, I post on there quite regularly. Obviously Ryan will be doing a lot of posting this summer too, with his uh, special series, but we love interacting with you all. And we want to give you things that you want to listen to and read and hear about. So please feel free to interact at any time and any way that you want to, but we love you guys. Yes, we do. And we, um, you can find Georgina. Georgina, remind me, what's your, what's your handle on Twitter and elsewhere? It's
1: Georgina WD, so G-E-O-R-J-E-A-N-N-A-W-D.
0: Excellent. And I am at Anger Professor, and you can find me at all the places, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, It is now time for our positive note, which is uh, being brought to you all, not by us, but by you all. So we asked our listeners in a previous episode and also Kelsey via social uh, to call in and tell us what gives them hope right now. So here is what they said. And the thing that brings me hope is the fact that tomorrow's a new day and whether. The day before was better or worse. There's always a way for me to make it better and better myself and be a better person.
1: So something that gives me hope is just being able to feel the air get warmer and just watch the flowers bloom in the springtime. I think everything in life just gets better.
0: Um, what brings me hope is every new day, cloudy or not, the sun's still coming up and just making the day brighter for everyone
1: and shows that there is a future for What brings me hope is the warm
0: weather and seeing all of the students starting to come out and hang out in Phoenix Park together. So what brings me hope is being able to spend time with my family and friends and my boyfriend and all of them staying in really good health over this past year and a half. What
1: gives me hope is a strong belief that out of adversity always comes some good. I want to say that what brings me hope right now is how much my colleagues and my students are very supportive. Uh, They're very grateful. I'm also very grateful. And that, you know, we are at the stage of getting vaccination and hopefully things will go back to normal soon. The amount of activism going on in our country right now, especially by young people um as protesting racial justice and climate change, bring me a lot of hope for our future, that we will be resilient, especially as we are coming out of the pandemic. And what brings me hope right now is our amazing UW-Green Bay students.
0: I think the thing that's giving me hope right now is the work of young people, whether it's uh, my students or activists that I see out protesting. I have faith in the generations coming up in ways that I, I don't for any other generations.
1: One thing that gives me hope right now is that I see examples each and every day of people reaching out to help those around them.
0: Psychology and Stuff is a production of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. The executive producer is Ryan Martin and the production manager is Kate Barley. Our audio production coordinator is Bill Salick. Our sound engineer for this episode is Sarah Miller. Our graphic designer is Kimberly Ruiz and our intern is Kelsey Englehart. Special thanks to all our fabulous guests this season. If you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head over to our website uwgb.edu slash podcast to check out past episodes of this and all our shows. I'm your host, Ryan Martin, and I'm here with my co-host, Georgina Wilson-Dundas. Keep being amazing.